Hey everyone, I'm Ben Norton, and today I have the privilege of being joined by an activist in Peru, um, Daniela Ortiz. She is an activist, um, an anti-racist activist, and also an artist. And today we're going to be talking about the coup that happened against the elected left-wing president, Pedro Castillo. On December 7th, uh, there, this was widely distorted in foreign media reporting, and I'm going to ask you about this, Daniela, but there was essentially an attempt to have a congressional coup against the elected president Castillo by the right-wing controlled Congress. And the most recent poll from just a few days ago shows that the Congress in Peru has an 11% approval rating. And in response to the congressional coup attempt, we saw that the president Castillo dissolved Congress and called for a constitutional referendum. And that led to a coup against him and now there has been a new president that has been appointed who is unelected, his vice president, Dina Boluarte, who has made a, a political alliance with the right wing and called for a government of national unity with the right wing. So meanwhile, there are large protests going on in Peru demanding that Castillo, who was arrested by the police, be freed and calling for new elections and also calling to have a, a, a constituent assembly to create a new constitution. So, um, Daniela, can you talk about the situation that has happened in the past few days? What do you think about this coup? How is it being portrayed outside of Peru? And what, what do people not understand about what's going on? Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, uh, what we're seeing these days is, uh, I mean, the end of a long process that started the first day that Castillo was elected, since the first day the right wing together with the media, uh, not only the national media, also the international media have been creating a lot of strategies in order to take Castillo down, strategies that went from uh, denouncing uh, not only Castillo, but everybody that was around him of terrorism, uh, several lawfare processes that happened against Castillo, against Vladimir Serrón, that, uh, that is the leader of Peru Libre, that was a party that Castillo entered it with. Uh, then a lawfare that also was against citizens that only uh, were in the tables, in the poll tables during the election and the votation, and they were uh, processed being accused uh, of committing, committing a fraud, what they call fraud in the table, like, like the fraud was committed by the people that were in charge of the tables during the elections when Castillo uh, won. So this is, uh, let's say, one of the many attempts they had uh, the, all the vacancy, the impeachments and all these processes, no, and they uh, finally uh, did what they want. That is not taking down Castillo, is uh, putting themselves on power because it's something also that we are seeing from before. Uh, it is not the first president that is taken out uh, by uh, the right wing, it's actually the third president, and we're not talking uh, of any right wing, we're talking about the Fujimori right wing that wants to be in power and continue the dictatorship that we had uh, with Alberto Fujimori, but now uh, we have Keiko, her daughter, and all the uh, people from Fuerza Popular, the party of Keiko Fujimori, that are aiming basically to take power and do not let anyone be uh, in the executive uh, power because it, it is not now. It has been uh, many years that uh, Fuerza Popular has been controlling the Congress and then also creating the laws in order to be able to control the execu executive power and do not let uh, the Peruvian people have the president that we have elected. Yeah, this is very important. Of course, for people who don't know 
the modern history of Peru, that there was a fascist dictator, Alberto Fujimori, who governed until 2000. And both his son and his daughter are prominent politicians in the Congress in Peru. And his daughter, Keiko Fujimori, was the other candidate who ran against Pedro Castillo in the second round of the elections. And the Fujimori dictatorship committed genocide, sterilization of indigenous women. So they represent the kind of far right wing of Peruvian politics. Now, you mentioned something very important, which is that the, the right wing controlled Congress has taken out multiple presidents. In fact, uh, Peru has had six presidents in five years because of this uh, Fujimorista constitution that allows the Congress to remove elected presidents because of moral incapacity, which really means whatever they want. Can you talk about why the political system is so unstable and why Castillo and also people in the streets right now have been demanding a new constitution where the elected president can actually be allowed to govern? Yeah, and uh, obviously another demand that is happening now is not only that we need a new constitution, not having the constitution that was imposed by Alberto Fujimori during the dictatorship in 1983, by a real uh, uh, coup d'etat that he made and he closed the Congress not in these conditions, not in the situation we are now, no? And uh, they have been like manipulating all the laws for many years, as I mentioned it before, in order uh, to impose power and to do things like, for example, that the president has to ask permission from uh, the, the parliament in order to travel. So they, for example, didn't allow Castillo to go to uh, the... Um, the ceremony, the, ceremony uh, the, pres the presidential ceremony when uh, Petro won. And they decided not to let him go to that, but yes, to Chile, for example. No, So there is an absolute and total control in regard to this. All the proposals that come from the executive power in order to make the changes that we need, like, for example, in regard to gas, uh, that there is needed in regard to the second agrarian reform, that is one of the big promises of Castillo, uh, were, for example, blocked by the by the parliament. So then there is this accusation that Castillo is not doing anything, but he cannot do anything because they have he has a parliament that is operating in this way. And that also then something really important that is happening in this context is the media power. No, there is a situation in which there is an I mean, if you listen nowadays, the, the media in Peru, they are talking that that Castillo was the one that made a coup d'etat and um, and that's his, and they are using literally the word dictator, no? So uh, there is an absolute, uh, like a misconception of, of that or manipulation of that uh, situation. And obviously there are no, uh, there is no control over what is going in, in the parliament. But something good in regard to the media is that that happens in Lima and that is, what people mainly from Lima or the big cities consume, but then, then if you go to the countryside, for example, and if you go to many places where Castillo has a lot of people that defend them, uh, it's more communitarian radios, people do not only, it's not that there is no access to that media, it's that, that, that people from the countryside and people who are indigenous, people who are mestizo, are, don't feel identified with the media uh, from Lima. Uh, therefore, there is a, a possibility of having another type of information and another type of um, of uh, perspective in regard to the situation, what is going, what is going on, and that's why uh, since uh, the beginning, 
uh, people mostly outside Lima have been defending uh, their vote. No, that is basically what is going on. They haven't accepted that Castillo won the elections until now. No, and as you mentioned, it also something really important is that even uh, the Fujimori uh, party, no Fuerza Popular, even they took down a right-wing president like Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, because as I said before, it's not about not letting Castillo uh, be on the in the presidency. It's not about uh, uh, having only the right-wing, it's about having this extreme right-wing that is a continuation, a continuation of a dictatorship that have persecuted, killed, disappeared students, union leaders, uh, workers, and people who were getting organized in the 90s, no? Yeah, you mentioned the role of the media. In fact, there has been a video clip going viral on social media showing a right-wing TV presenter literally saying that the police should shoot protesters in the head. So we see an incitement to a massacre. And of course, it was a massacre in 2019 of working-class indigenous people in Bolivia that is what solidified the coup against Evo Morales. And uh, of course... Peru and, and Bolivia have differences, but they also have a lot of similarities. And one of that, one of those similarities is that both countries have a very large indigenous population that has been excluded from the bourgeois political system for many decades. And Evo Morales in Bolivia was the first ever indigenous president. And similarly, at Castillo, he represents the indigenous descent communities in rural areas. He himself is from a very humble background. He was a teacher in a rural area who led a teacher's strike. And the, the media coverage against him has often been very racist. Of course, in Peru, the political class has been dominated by many people of European descent who look down upon the indigenous descent majority. So can you talk about the, the racism that Castillo has dealt with and also the classism, given that he represents the poor and working class majority of the country who have been marginalized and excluded from politics for so long. Yeah, there has been, and actually it comes from a media that, uh, um, and with precisely with this Congress, that do not allow to have laws and to execute the laws that protect population from that media that is so aggressive, not only against Castillo, but all uh, his ministers have been accused in racist, uh, with racist arguments, classist arguments of not being capable. That's the, the argument they usually do. And it's absolutely normalized in the context of Peru of saying, no, they are not capable to, to do this, but also of like really uh, complex things like accusations of uh, being terrorists, for example, no, which... Um, was uh, the, the, what we call terruqueo, no? the practice of uh, um, dictaminated that somebody has to do with terrorism comes from the, from the 90s, no? and that has absolute impunity uh, in uh, the media and the level of racism, for example, uh, going from uh, comparing Castillo, for example, with animals. Uh, we saw one day that there was um, a, a party of the elite that they were dre uh, dressing up like Castillo and making fun of him and killing him, no, and all this type of level uh, of level of violence that we can see in Argentina before the attempt of murdering Cristina. Uh, there were a lot of contexts in which this violence was being represented. One was the media, but then also in parties, then also in Twitter, then everywhere there was this type of. Um, of aggressiveness with absolute uh, impunity, no? And uh, also 
it's not only Castillo, no? It's, it's all the people that entered to the parliament. It's the first time, for example, that we could have uh, before the, the use of Quechua in the parliament was uh, like a symbolic thing. Like, for example, somebody saying hello and presenting in Quechua or doing something symbolic in Quechua. But with this uh, moment and this parliament where uh, most of the parliamentarians at the beginning were for, from Perú Libre, the party of Castillo, we saw figures like uh, Guido Bellido, for example, giving full speeches in Quechua. Using, making a political use uh, of Quechua no? and the desperation of white people that do not understand uh, the language that speaks a great uh, a, a proportion of the population here in, in Peru. And that is one of the languages of Peru. No? And they were even trying to make legal denounces because uh, some politicians were using Quechua in the context uh, of the parliament, no? And, and then it was a, a, the level of racism at that moment was, a, was really strong, no? And then, um, as I was saying, no, like these days we saw the humiliation to the family of Castillo. They had to take out their things from, uh, from the palace of uh, Govern in bags. And that is the image that the right wing and the elite from Lima wanted because they cannot accept uh, to have somebody that comes from a rural, rural area, who is a teacher, who comes from a humble background, as you mentioned it, uh, to be uh, in power, no? Absolutely. And I want to talk now about the, the complex situation in terms of the dissolution of the Congress, the way in which uh, Castillo temporarily at least tried to dissolve the Congress. We know from day one, as you mentioned, that the right-wing controlled Congress which has an 11% approval rating, has constantly tried to overthrow the elected president, Castillo. In, in, uh, in just over a year, they tried, they were on their third attempt to impeach him. And unlike the impeachment system in other countries, if the Congress has a majority vote to impeach the president, the president has to step down in Peru. It's not like, for instance, in the United States, where the, the president, Donald Trump, was impeached, but he did not step down. In, in Peru, it has led to six presidents in five years. And this is the context in which Castillo dissolved the Congress. And in fact, even ironically, according to the, the Fujimorista uh, constitution, the president actually does have the ability to dissolve the Congress in circumstances of obstructionism. So can you talk about the misleading narrative that we see in corporate media and also spread by the U.S. Embassy, claiming that Castillo was carrying out an autogolpe, a, a self-coup against the government, when in reality, of course, it was the coup being carried out against him. Well, actually, the claim to close, to close the Congress was a popular claim. There, many of the marches and the... Um, the blockades and the demonstrations that were rec re re like recently, uh, not against Castillo, but claiming him to uh, make the agenda he uh, he entered it with, no. And but it was not to step down or to become more right wing. It was to become more left wing. That was the protest of the people uh, with Castillo, not against him, but with him, no. And um, what uh, what happened, no, was uh, that he did what the people was asking to close a Congress because everybody's conscious, and we can see it, as you mentioned, it, that the Congress has 
only 11% of approval, and I don't want to see which is going to be the number after what they did. There is a general uh, consensus in many contexts that the Congress is interrupting. And then also he did what Vizcarra did, our last president. Uh, he also decided to close a Congress that was also a claim from the people at that moment. No, And... Um, Obviously, what they came out to say is that it was a coup d'etat. And as I said, there was, they were talking about the dictatorship. I mean, like Castillo didn't even appear with a military when he decided to close the Congress. And it was a policy that was closing the Congress and not making a dictatorship a dictatorship or a coup d'etat as uh, what they were uh, saying everywhere and the argument and the excuse in order to for them to carry out a real coup d'etat. What happened is that it seems that Castillo uh, had information that the Congress would have uh, the amount of votes in order to uh, make the impeachment and remove him. No, that's what it seems because really until the moment is really there are many versions and theories, uh, but nobody knows really what happened and why he took uh, that decision. No, but anyways, even though because there is people saying that it was a mistake to do it at this time and how he did it and how he didn't have support or wasn't organized with certain uh, groups or political groups, etc. But uh, the main thing is that there was a general claim in regard uh, to closing the Congress. That's what he did. And also something really positive that if you listen the message that most of the people haven't even listened what he was saying is that he said that he's closing the Congress and also to open the uh, constituent process in order to change the constitution that what that is one of the main uh, claims. And then the, the really complex thing is that when, when the Congress have uh, impeached him and like uh, kick him out of, of the government, the Congress was already closed. They were working out absolute legality. So uh, because Castillo already closed the Congress and then they took the decision and he was detained under like a uh, non, uh, even if we have these laws, no, not non-legal uh, procedures. And nobody knows what is happening um, in regard to him because they are accusing him of uh, making a, like a rebellion. But in the uh, penal code that talks about him, about this, they, it says clearly that you have to be armed. And Castillo was not armed. He was basically uh, alone and he was detained alone and he was not rebelling on arms and making that. So uh, uh, many of us understand that the detention of Castillo nowadays is absolutely uh, illegal also, even though under the rules that they have imposed, no? Yeah, it's almost comical in a way to see people accuse him of being a dictator when when Castillo was clearly impeded in every single way. He had no control over the political system in the Congress, no control over the elite economic groups, the big corporations and oligarchs, no control over the media, which constantly attacked him every day, 24-7, and certainly no control over the military and police, which arrested him. So yeah, th this would be... Against him, I, we have been like, for example, the processes of lawfare in regard to supposed cases of corruption. In one of them, they even entered to his room. 
they like and actually is the same policeman that have detained him the other day no and they even had the power to enter to the room of the president and to touch remove and take documents that are a secret of state that were not only his personal belongings but they are part of uh, the, the, I mean, there is a law that protects the president from his uh, belongings. And the police entered to the to the palace uh, of government and they were taking everything. So obviously what we say, you know, what type of dictatorship that uh, was lasted three hours, that was it, the dictatorship. But the dictatorship we really live under is a Fujimori dictatorship. Uh, there were, for example, at the beginning of um, once he was elected, there were conversations and audios of Vladimiro Montesinos, the, um, who was the chief of the intelligence service that was actually uh, formed by the CIA. And he studied in the Escuela of Las Americas that we know how many uh, people in Latin America that were part of the dictatorship has study, have studied there. Uh, and he was part of the Fujimori. He was a, one of the main characters of the Fujimori dictatorship. There were audios of him giving order, orders from prison uh, uh, on how to deal with the elections in order to put Keiko Fujimori and nobody investigated that and what they were investigating how was, and I'm not making it's not a joke, huh? there was an investigation that was of how it was paid uh, the food of Castillo's birthday in, in Palace. That was uh, and who paid the birthday party of her daughter. Those are the huge corruption information that they have and then and here we also have uh, this uh, this uh, figure of the protected. Um, I don't know how you say it in English, but the, the protected testigo, the the person that can accuse you that you were part of a, corru a, corrup a corruption process, and uh, they can be uh, having uh, benefits in their legal process. So there were many of these people that many of them have been vinculated with with the Fujimori party and they were friends and together with them and these same people actually one of the uh, protected uh, testigos that was accusing Castillo of um, of being corrupt and um, on one of the corruption case she had the same lawyer of Fujimori. How come they are not going to investigate and that this media that is so worried, how they are not going to investigate which are the link of the people that are accusing Castillo with the Fujimori's uh, party? Yeah, I mean, it's quite incredible seeing the media and the right-wing opposition accuse Castillo of corruption. Meanwhile, it's in fact the Fujimori family and especially in the infamous corruption scandal of the Mamani Videos, that has, we have concrete evidence, they've been proven to be engaged in corruption and bribing politicians to vote on, on, in their interests. I mean, of course, corruption is nothing new in, in Peru, but the accusations against Castillo remind me of the accusations of corruption against Dilma Rousseff in Brazil that were being made by the most corrupt people in Brazilian politics. And then with this logic of, well, now you have to prove, no? But it's, and people say like, uh, you know, like it's really easy. Yes, you have to prove that you are innocent. But what they have been doing, and, and we see, we know how it's a process of lawfare and how long is the process to prove that you are not guilty, no? And uh, for example, they uh, detain uh, the daughter of Castillo, no? So that's also really important to know how the lawfare, I think, uh, you know, the lawfare processes in different contexts of Latin America, 
they uh, kind of like reinforce their strategies and create new strategies, something new that we have seen here. Well, we also saw it in Argentina with Cristina's daughter, no? But here they also detain the daughter of the president. They open a process against uh, his wife. But then, for example, with Vladimir Serrón, the leader of uh, Perú Libre, the party that... Um, entered to the government together with Castillo, then he stepped out. Uh, but, um, for example, the mother of, of Vladimir Serrón and all the family, everybody that is around them, no? and actually there was one of the ministers of Castillo, uh, stepped down and he explained it almost crying, saying that he didn't want to have, because they were starting to attack his daughter, and his ex-wife, an opening process against them. And uh, he said that he didn't want to put in risk uh, the well-being of uh, his daughter because they, they are detaining the families also, no? as, a, as an strategy of pressure. No? And then, yeah, they go out uh, non-guilty, but you have been already detained two, uh, two years or one year or six months, and the media has already created their huge headlines that then are never erased because we have seen it with Lula when everything is shown that uh, there is a, he, he was not guilty like many of other cases. For example, the media here didn't say almost nothing about that. No, And then nobody is proce processed uh, and uh, investigated and denounced and pays for doing these processes of lawfare. They There is absolute impunity in regard to that. No. Yeah. I I mentioned earlier that there have been large protests going on demanding that Castillo be free, freed, but they're also demanding a new constitution and specifically a constituent assembly. And this is a tweet here from a left-wing member of Congress, Guillermo Bermejo Rojas. Um, can you talk about this, this demand for a constituent assembly and what the people of Peru want to try to create a new constitution to get rid of the, the dictatorship era constitution? Well, like in many other countries, like Chile, for example, we have um, a constitution that comes from the dictatorship of Fujimori that doesn't allow, for example, the state to intervene uh, in emergency situations like the COVID-19 pandemic in uh, to, uh, for example, uh, uh, na nationalizing at least momentarily the uh, services, uh, the medical services, no? And, uh, for example, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw uh, that um, there was, I mean, the government couldn't do anything because there is a constitution that is created. So uh, the interest of companies, the private interests and the interest of uh, uh, transnationals are absolutely, absolutely, este, um, for example, with the gas situation, no? There is a problem that we cannot nationalize the gas, we cannot check. The price of the gas in Peru is amazing when at the same time we have gas, we are producers of gas. But uh, because of the constitution, it's really difficult in order to uh, make a change in regard to, uh, to that, no? So, uh, now, and, and now you can see it that is even bigger the claim that we need to change the constitution, but 
more than changing the constitution, I think the most important thing is the process and to think which is going to be the process that we're going to have in order to build that new constitution. No? For example, a discussion that is also here is to have a plurinational state. No, We have so many uh, different communities and people and identities and languages in the context of Peru uh, that have been not only excluded, they have been basically uh, almost persecuted, like we saw, as I said, in the parliament, people speaking Quechua in the parliament, and they were always almost trying to process them legally because the white people couldn't understand what they were saying. No? So we need uh, a new way of uh, of um, of getting organized in regard to this. No, So I hope, and many of us hope, uh, that even though we have to go through this moment, uh, it's a moment that is going to strengthen the streets in order to claim for uh, having this new constitution, no? And finally, I, I'm very grateful for the analysis. Um, finally, just to conclude here, I, I know in moments like these with the coup, it's always the worst moment to criticize a leader who's been overthrown in a coup. So I don't want to ask this question to criticize Castillo in this very um, dangerous moment for him, but just for people outside of Peru so they can understand the political context. One of the narratives that we've seen, which is true, is that uh, Castillo did alienate some of his former leftist allies. You mentioned that he came in as president as part of the Socialist Party Peru Libre and later had a split with the party. And he also had multiple prime ministers, the, the leader of the like the president of the Council of Ministers, um, you, you, know, you mentioned uh, several of them, you know, Beiro and others, and they kind of had falling out. So there were people in, in the Peruvian left who had criticisms of Castillo, although it seems like in this moment, the left is unified against the coup. Just to, to provide that context for people to understand, how would you say the relationship of Castillo has been to the left and the social movements? Mm. Well, I think it's a general problem in many contexts of the global south and even Europe, for example, that we have a problem with the unity of the left wing many times, no? And I think in, there is a problem in regard to that, uh, that uh, there is only unity when it comes to an emergency moment, like, for example, the election moment or the moment of the coup d'etat. We should haven't allowed this to uh, to happen and mostly we should have allowed this to happen when the left wing didn't have any program because obviously there were criticism to Castillo because he was not uh, accomplishing uh, most of the promises that he entered with but we also needed to understand that he had a parliament that didn't let him approve any type of laws and then he had such of such level of the media that is really difficult to create any type of changes if what you have to do in in your daily life as a president as a government is defending yourself no i do think uh, that it would have helped uh, to castillo for example to be stronger in having the um, the first group of ministers he had and keeping it that way and do not change it because then he was changing every time there was uh, some sort of attack from the media, then he would change uh, the minister thinking that the media was going to stop. And I think uh, uh, he some way trusted or thought that if he would get uh, a less under quotation, uh, maybe or less radical, no, uh, they were going to stop. But it was even worse because, as I said, they wanted to take him out, no. And then also something that I see it as a problem, but that we can see it. I have lived 13 years in Spain and I saw it. I see now it nowadays a lot. For example, with the 
uh, racist speeches from the ultra right wing from there that uh, we have allowed here uh, to have a right wing that is uh, putting the agenda, no? That if there is a denounce of corruption, everybody says, ah, yeah, maybe he's corrupted, no? And not thinking that everything that the, the right wing says and the media from the right wing, uh, the, of the right wing says is part of the agenda for kicking him out of power, no? So I do think uh, um, there has been several mistakes. Uh, there is also... Um, I think a need to think that uh, we cannot only discuss about how to stay in the government, but uh, there is a need to have a political project that we hope, hope it goes through the constituent uh, process. No, But I hope really that after this situation, uh, there is a deep reflection in every uh, spaces um, from the left wing and uh, the mistakes that have been committing that I think is basically not to have the unity we need, not only in, in, in moments of election or when a coup d'etat happens and we need to go to the street to the streets, but in the process of building that we cannot ask also, I do not think that a president alone is going to change things. I don't know, I do not think that only a, a group in the Congress is going to change things, no? And I do think that if there is a mistake from the government, it's not to be more open and count with other organizations and the people that want to contribute in this process of change and that we are going to be there to defend our president. Very well said. I think that's a perfect note to end on. I want to thank you, Daniela Ortiz. Daniela is an activist and an artist, and she is involved in the anti-racist movement and the feminist movement in Peru. People can follow her on Twitter at at Dania with two L's, Dania Ortiz, and I will link to her um, website in the description below. Um, Daniela, thank you so much for providing this context in this moment. Thanks a lot and take care. And we hope we get uh, support during these days of mobilization. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Gracias.